Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to know how this ministry is impacting your life. So please take a moment and email us at mystory at cowboyjunctionchurch.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at cowboyjunctionchurch.com and click give. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today's a really cool day for me. Uh, if you're new to Cowboy Junction, then you're, you may not understand just how big this is, but you're fixing to. If you've been here for a while, you're a part of the celebration of why today's so cool. Today's very exciting for me, especially, because 25 years ago this month, 25 years ago this month, I packed up everything and stepped out in faith so that I could follow the voice of my Father in heaven to move to Phoenix, Arizona. Everything that you see in my life that you would turn and say today, that is Jesus in Tybean. It all started from that very moment that I left my home to go to Phoenix on September of 1992. The man who's speaking today has influenced my life in a way that is hard for me to explain to you. Today is both exciting and the scariest day of my life at the same moment, okay? Listen, a lot of people have introduced Tommy Barnett as their hero, and I know exactly what they mean. However, my appreciation for him is hero, but it's deeper than that. I have served him. I've been mentored by him. I, I've been in countless illustrated sermons that we found out the night before he was going to preach them that we all had to practice and get ready, and we practiced all night, and he preached it the next day. I ran bus routes. I graduated from the Master's Commission program, helped lead in pastor's schools, and we put on the first ever church rodeo together. I was 23 years old when he let me do it. The best sermons that I've ever heard in my entire life were spoken by this man right here. He inspired me to want to teach the gospel accurately and to always keep the lost in mind. Today, I can tell you, after 25 years of his mentorship into my life, I have been able to lead what I've counted up as close as, as around 10,000 people to Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a kid from Artesia. If God can use an Artesian, he can use anybody. Right? Right? Yes. You know what? This man will always be my hero. But the word hero doesn't do it justice about what he really means to me. Because more than a hero, he's always been my pastor. And pastor means so much to me. Today, Cowboy Junction, I'd like to introduce you to Pastor Tommy Barnett. Let's give Jesus a real big, remain standing just a minute. Come on, raise it up. You can do better than that. You can still do better than that. One more time. All right. Now, before you're seated, turn to the one beside you and say, you look like you've been losing weight. Come on, tell them that. Doesn't it? Well, don't you feel better already? All right. Well, what a great, wonderful joy and honor it is to be at this marvelous church that I've heard about so very, very, very long. And they didn't give it all of its dues. It's greater than I ever expected. It's so good to be here today. Thank you for the good introduction. That's the second best introduction that I've ever had. The best one I ever had was... There was no one there to introduce me, and I had to introduce myself. That was the best one, you know. But what a wonderful introduction, and it is a very special moment for me to be here today. You know, everything is wonderful. I walk in this building, and 
I pulled up outside and I saw the magnificent entrance, the sign, and I drove up here and saw the most unique church that I've ever been in my life. And that's what I love about it because it's something special. It's not a cookie cutter church. It's a church that was built in the heart of the pastor. Because I remember 25 years ago, this young man showing up from Artesia, and he had the biggest smile that you've ever seen in your life. He had that gregacious spirit and was so kind and so positive, and everybody fell in love with this guy. And to this very day, first of all, he did run bus routes. He did feed the hungry. He reached out to this disenfranchised. He worked on the pulpit. He worked with us to help build that church to be one of the largest churches in America. And he was kind of on the ground floor of what God began to use there. But I'm going to tell you, to this very day, if you would go to our church and say the name Ty Bing, 25 years later, they've not forgotten the spirit of this man. It is contagious. And then, of course, I had the privilege of meeting his wonderful wife last night. I tell you, she's a special lady. I fell in love with her. She just brought a little class to the cowboy church. Amen. <laughs> you got to forgive me, but, you know, she's a fox. How many agree that? Amen. You know, I know. At my age, I can say that. All right. <laughs> Some things you can say at 80, you could not say it, you know. But uh, I'm just overwhelmed and full of joy to be with this wonderful church it's really one of the points of light in America, really. And it'll be the highlight of this year for me to be with Ty and Heather. All you beautiful people, and I love you because you follow a wonderful leader. And there could be no great leaders without great followers. And you have been great followers. And I compliment you, and I thank you, and I just say praise God for you all. Very humbling time. One more thing about Ty. He was always the most loyal guy that you could ever met. I always tell people, I don't want anybody praying for me. They won't fight for me. Come on. Come on. Let's try that again. I don't want anybody praying for me. They won't fight for me. Come on. Yeah. All right. And uh, Ty's the kind of guy that you want on your side if you got in a scrap. Amen. Thank God. Good to be here today. Come up here real quick, Gary, and then I'm going to preach. Uh, on the way out, if you desire, we wrote a book recently. You might have seen it advertised on Good Morning America. We were on Kathy Lee Gifford's show. Uh, she comes to our Dream Center in L.A. When she is there, she has a home there in New York. And uh, the book that is just taken off, and it's been really a great seller. Matter of fact, it is the number one seller in my house. Amen. <laughs> but this book is more than a, a book that helps you arrange your time. No, it's not that. It's a life-managing book talks about raising children, talks about principles to live your life after. I share with you some of the things we did for Matthew and Luke, two world changers God has raised up, and my daughter, Christy, who God has used in women's meetings across the country. Raising children, I, a lot of people feel that the wisdom here in this book for that is worth doing. So it covers a multitude of sin. <laughs> it's kind of like my life story in some respects. You'll want to get that on the way out. One more thing real quick. Pastor, we're, we're only able to bring one book when we travel. So for our trip here to Cowboy Junction, we've put together something very special. I found this little USB card, and on this card, we have been able to put over two years' worth of, of audio sermons. We have your e-books. We have illustrated sermons, illustrated skits. Uh, a year's worth of, of full transcript messages. We have literally put your entire life on this little bitty card, over $600 worth of the resources on here, and we're going to offer it today at a very special, special price for the Cowboy Junction for just $60. My whole life is on there, and it's worth more than $60, I'll tell you that. But you know what? Literally, we've literally put just about everything on there. And through the miracle of, of this technology, that we just decided we were going to bless people, and this can help you for years, and I trust it'll be a blessing to you. I'll be back there. I'd like to shake your hand and tell you how much I appreciate you and hug your neck. If you're not a hugger, buy the book and run, because I'll probably tackle you and hug you. Amen. But uh, I'd love to meet you on the way out. That would be a blessing. 
I said this morning, and I want to say again, I want you to forgive me if, if I'm just a little sentimental. You see, I truly love your pastor and his wife, and to see what God is doing for them is really one of the great joys of your life. And it's one of the few joys that you have when you get older. You get to see, after their life grows, what God can do for them. I'm also very sentimental because in just, well, one month, I'll turn 80 years of age. I've been preaching the gospel for 63 years. I've been married to the same old gal for 53 years. Matter of fact, I figured up the other day, I preached over 18,000 messages in my lifetime. And uh, alone on American Airlines, I have 8 million miles. So I got a lot of miles on me, all right. And so, you know, when you look at Tommy Barnett, you see a product of not a self-made man. I'm not a self-made man. When you look at Tommy Barnett, you see a little bit of Oral Roberts, the great man of God that he was. Every year, he would come and spend a week with me at Phoenix. He would play golf during the day, and then at night, we'd get in the Word of God. Oral Roberts put faith in my heart. He taught me to believe God for great things. So when you see Tommy Barnett, you see a little bit of Oral Roberts. When you see Tommy Barnett, you see a little of Young E. Cho, Dr. Cho, the greatest pastor of the greatest church in the world, 750,000 people in one church. Imagine that, one church. Matter of fact, that's be about like a, a church the size of El Paso. Can you imagine that? I've been on his board for years. And Young Cho put in me a love for the church and a believe God for big things in the church. When you look at Tommy Barnett, you see a little bit of Herschel Barnett. He was my father. He was the father of the bus ministry. He taught me how to run buses. He taught me how to preach illustrated sermons and put on pageants that would draw over 100,000 people in just one year. We have 16 performances and 100,000 people. So when you see Tommy Barnett, you see a little of my father. You see, we're all a product of the impartation that was given to us. So at this age of my life, most of my sermons are not sermons. They're more life impartation. And I pray the Holy Spirit will cause what I'm about to give to go in your heart. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'll anoint the words I'm about to speak. I do not ask for the joy of preaching a great message, but I have a great truth. And I pray that truth will get from my lips and from my heart to these people and let their lives be changed for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd ask me the question today, what is the most important title in a church? You'd probably say, well, it's the pastor. If I would ask you what's the most important title in a university, you'd probably say, the president. I've always admired that little parable in Judges chapter 9. In the interest of time, let me paraphrase it. One day the trees had a little convention, and they decided they'd elect a king over all the other trees. One tree raised its branch and said, I have a nomination. I'd like to nominate the vine to be the king over all the trees. But the vine responded, I'm sorry. I've got to refuse a nomination. It is not God's will for me for one day. I will fill the cup at the Lord's Supper. So the vine refused. I admire the vine. Another tree raised its hand and said, raised its branch and said, I'd like to nominate the fig tree. The fig tree replied, although I am the sweetest of all the fruit, someday it'll be me that is used for plaster that is placed upon King Hezekiah and he will be healed. The fig tree refused. Another spoke up and said, I want to nominate the olive tree, but the olive tree, I too am sorry. I can't take the nomination because I will someday be the fruit that provides the oil for the holy place. But finally, the cactus spoke up. And the cactus said, I will be your king. Who wanted the title? The prickly 
cactus, the sorriest of them all. Who did not want the title? The vine, the fig tree, the olive tree. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid that this is the case too often within our lives. While greatness does not want the title, except the greatest title of them all, the title of servant. And I'd like to dedicate this message to your pastor. Because if anybody exemplifies what I'm preaching about, it was your pastor. Today I want to say four things about the position or the title. Follow me closely. Statement number one. Make your position great because it won't make you great. Someone named me a famous pastor who became pastor of a famous church. You can't do it. A famous church opens up. Hundreds of names come in. The pastor thinks, if I could just become the pastor of that church, I will become a famous pastor. But the truth is, every great church of our generation was made great by great men. You see, the position won't make you but it's the person that makes the, that makes the position. It is a fallacy to want the position except the opportunity to serve. Statement number two. Do not seek the title, but do your job and make your title great. The title, bus pastor. That used to be the guy that could change the tire a little better than anybody else or change the oil or make a few repairs. But one day, a young man came up on the scene and said, I'm going to make this position great. Today, the bus ministry is one of the nicest titles of them all, the bus director. Because a guy by the name of Bill Wilson buried himself. Today, he has 200,000 people every Sunday 200,000 children around the world who go to a sidewalks Sunday school. I'm thinking now about Matthew Barnett. When he went to L.A., nobody wanted to go there. I sought the great pastors and evangelists to go there, but they saw the area and they didn't want to. But Matthew said, Dad, I'll be willing to go. I'll, be, I'll drive your car. I'll do anything you want. But I made him the pastor. The Dream Center at that time was not a place people wanted to go. But today, every pastor in the world would die to be the pastor of the great Los Angeles church. Matthew took the position. He found a need, and he filled it. He found a hurt, and he healed it. You see, I believe you can build the greatest church in the world. Just finding the need, finding the hurt, and healing it. Several years ago, when I was an aspiring 16-year-old evangelist, I picked up a book that was entitled, Think and Grow Rich. I never read the book, but underneath the title, there was a subtitle that read this way. The way to become successful in life is to find the world's greatest need and supply it as fast as you can. And I jumped up and clicked my heels. Who said white men can't jump? Amen. <laughs> And I said, How do I mean, praise the Lord. Amen. The world's greatest need is Jesus. And I'm going to supply that need as fast as I possibly can. When I went to that church in Phoenix, Arizona, I'd come from Davenport, Iowa. We had 76 people, and in five, eight years we grew to over 4,000, became the first mega church. God had blessed the minister greatly, but when I went to Phoenix, Arizona, God spoke to my heart and said, you know, you did basically at that first church what your dad did, and I blessed it, and there's nothing wrong with that. I had a secondhand revelation. It came to my dad and in through him to me. You could do great things on secondhand revelation, but you just won't enjoy the trip near as much. But I begin to pray and say, oh God, if you'll give me your vision for this church, and I thought, how could I get God's attention? Because if I get God's attention, I, I'm going to be blessed, and my church is going to be blessed. I begin to read the Bible. It said when a suckling baby cries, it gets the attention of God. It said when a sparrow fell from heaven, the littlest of the birds 
It got the attention of God. The Bible said the raven, the scroungiest dirty bird, that when it gets hungry, it gets the attention of God. I read where the Bible said when an aging hair falls from the scalp, it gets the attention of God. I've really been getting God's attention here lately. Amen. And it hit me that if I could gather up all the people in the city, the people that overlook, the disenfranchised, if I could bring them to the house of God, I'd get the attention of God. I noticed that no one was running buses in my area. Little children were running the street, not going to church, and I bought a bus. And we began to bring them in. And then I bought two, and then five, then 10, then 20, then 30, then 40. 47 buses. 3,000 children poured into the house of God. It touched our very class conscious church. And God began to move on their heart. One day, a lady called me and said, Pastor Barnett, I want to come to church. I said, well, good. She said, I have no way to get there. I said, well, we got a bus. He'll pick you up. She said, you'll understand. I can't get on that bus. And I said, sure you can, Mama. Get on that bus. She said, I'm at this retirement home. I said, they'll help you get on. She said, you don't understand. I'm in a wheelchair, and I don't have any legs. And I said, please forgive me for being so impetuous. I'll find a way to get you there. You see, when I find a need, I get happy because it's an opportunity to do something for God. I was driving down the street one day, and I saw a bus. Anytime I see a bus, I'm interested. But this was different. A fellow walked around the bus, and he pushed a button, and a door opened, and a lift came down with a little lady on a wheelchair. She looked like Queen Elizabeth on her throne. I said to myself, I'm going to get me, I'm going to get me some of those. So I went to the deacons. I said, we, we need to get buses. And they said, oh, we've already got 47. But I said, these are different. And we found five wheelchair buses. Today we have 10. On Sunday morning, the whole front of our building is filled with people in wheelchairs. Someone said, we have the strangest people in the front row. It looks like the bar scene of Star Wars. That's how it looks. <laughs> We found a need. And the blessings of God follow that need. I could go on and on and on. One day, recently, we found out in our city, we had thousands of kids in foster care. When they turn 18 years of age, they're blessed out of the homes. They have to leave. The government money stops. And so they leave. And so the government people would show up with a plastic sack to put their belongings in. And just put them on the street. And we found in Skid Row was filled with these kids. No education. Nowhere to go. We found a need. So on Easter Sunday, we asked everybody in our church to come and to get an old suitcase that they didn't use anymore and fill it with stuff that those kids would need when they were aged out. And so they put all the essentials and we guided them what to put into them. And now when the social department goes and tells them they have to leave, we go with them. And we give them a suitcase full of these belongings. And we say to them, if you want to, we got a place you could go to called the Dream Center. We have about 80 beds for these kids can opt out and be a part of it. We found a need. And we filled it. And then the human trafficking thing showed up. And today we have the largest human trafficking facility in the world. Literally. We recently added 85 beds and then another 45 beds to our 30 beds. And we have around 150 beds to reach out to human people. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that servants find needs and they fill them. One day I looked down, there was a new man in our church. He said about the third row back. I later found out he was from Poland. His family had grown Father had come over from Poland. He sat there with a tie and suit. When I, at the service is over, he came to me and said, Pastor, someday I'm going to be on your staff. Now, I wasn't impressed. I thought to myself, it would be a cold place where the booger man lives before he's on my staff. Amen. But he started coming faithfully. He'd amen me when I preached. I got to liking the guy. Amen. And then he started paying his tithes. He was looking better all the time. Amen. One day he ran up and said, Pastor Barnett, 
how would you like to preach to 3,000 Frenchmen this year? I said, I'd like to. He said, you're going to. I said, I'm not going to go to France. He said, they're going to be here in your church. I thought to myself, this guy has to be from Texas. He's the windiest, windiest guy I've ever met. Amen. Now, I was born in Texas, so don't get mad at me. Amen. He said, yeah, they're going to be here. I thought to myself, we haven't got, I don't know, one Frenchman in Phoenix. If he was here in the summertime, he'd be a French fry. That's what he'd be. <laughs> now, I know the jokes are not good, but if you'd pay better, you'd get better jokes. Amen. <laughs> I forgot all about it. It was a summer night, 11 o'clock on Saturday. I just finished studying. The phone rang. It was Leo. Pastor, tomorrow's the day. I, what? Tomorrow's, he was so excited. I thought he had some inside information on the coming of the Lord. You know, tomorrow. <laughs> the French are going to be there tomorrow. Oh, I said, wonderful. I still didn't believe him. He said, yeah, I'm, I got to apologize. I told you 3,000. There's only going to be 2,000 there. Oh, I said, that's too bad, Leo. I didn't believe him. He said, would you preach to the interpreter today? I said, of course. I forgot all about it. The next morning, I walked from the office across the parking lot, and the greeters were frantic. They said, Pastor, the strangest people we've ever seen are here today. All of them speak in tongues, every one of them. His brother had a company in France every year would bring the top salesman as a reward. And he brought them all to church that day. And when I gave the altar call, you might have been there, Ty, that Sunday. Over 1,600 of them came forward and stood to accept Christ as her personal Savior. Oh, by the way, a few months later, we hired a new staff member. <laughs> His name was Leo. How did he get that job? He got it by being a servant. I told a story this morning about a little lady in our church who found out that on Sunday morning, if this was in, in Davenport, Iowa, that I liked to have a cup of coffee and a donut. But you know, there were no Krispy Kreme donut places at 4 o'clock in the morning. That's when I went. How many know what Krispy Kremes are? Yeah. They're, they're what, that's what fell from heaven in the form of manna for the children of Israel to eat. But there were no Krispy Kreme donuts. There were no Starbucks places to have coffee. I mean, until the anointing kicks in, I've got Starbucks. Come on, say a good amen in the morning. Amen. So what did she do? She baked a donut on Saturday night. On Sunday morning, she'd warm it up. And she'd come to church and warm that donut up at 4 o'clock in the morning and a cup of coffee. One day, a snowstorm hit, and snow was about up there. Grandma couldn't come. She didn't show up. I wanted to kick her out of the church. Amen. <laughs> What that little rascal found was a need in me that I didn't even know I had. And she made me addicted to her. Does the name Susan Wesley mean anything to you? She was just a mother, but oh, what a mother. The mother of John and Charles Wesley who brought revival to their country. She sought nothing. She didn't seek the title. She made the cradle her throne. She was a servant. There was a nurse by the name of Florence Nightingale who worked in these mining communities. She said, every day of my life, I make serving God the main business of my life. Name me a doctor more famous than Florence Nightingale. You can't do it. Who's the most famous woman of our generation? Princess Diane. Margaret Thatcher, Mrs. Gandhi, Lady Gaga. I hope not. Amen. <laughs> Who is it? Mother Teresa. The most photographed hands in the world are those old ugly, wrinkled, gnarly hands. They're most photographed, but they're the hands of a servant. See, the point I'm trying to make is God cannot and will not use title seekers.
If you seek the title, you will fail at the job. Who's the greatest man in the Old Testament? Moses. And who would be the greatest man in the New Testament? The Apostle Paul. Both of them left titles. Moses gave up being the king. Paul gave up to be a member of the Senate. If Paul would have kept his title, he would have never been the success that he was. If Moses would have sought the title, he would have been a failure. Our Lord had no degree. And yet he was the greatest teacher that ever lived. Jesus was never an admiral, but he commanded the seas. He called on the waves and they fell flat on their face. He was never a general, but he led a love revolution. He was never crowned king, but they call him the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He never had a doctor's degree, but he made the lame to walk and the dumb to talk and the blind to see. I'm saying, don't concern yourself about the title. Only serving. Statement number three. Let your title come as a result of your work. Let your title be an adjective and not a noun. Let your title describe what you have done and not what you seek to do. And those who see the work will give you a description of your title based upon what you have done. Do you know how the Dream Center came about? One day, a little guy came out of our, our discipleship program. He was a gang member. He was talking to another gang member about his lifestyle and said, you need to get straightened out. He said, you need to go to that place up there on the hill. At that time, we called it the Los Angeles International Church. But he said, you need to go up there. They'll help you. It's kind of a, a dream center where you can dream again. And that's how we got the name. A place that you can dream again. I'm trying to tell you, the position will give you a name. Statement number four. Servants are remembered, not titles. Charles Finney, the greatest of them all, was disowned by his own pastor. Can you tell me the name of that pastor? Charles Spurgeon was voted out of the London Baptist Association. Only seven men out of the entire association voted for him. Name me one minister that voted against him. Can't do it. Martin Luther was persecuted by the Pope of Rome. What Pope? Paul was killed by Nero of Rome. 2,000 years later, people named their sons Paul and their dogs Nero. Servants are remembered. A survey was taken not too long ago when people were asked the question, who are the people that touched and inspired your life the most? Thinking it might be some politician or it might be some sports personality, some movie star, some great humanitarian. No. The answer was always a teacher, teacher that believed in me a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, a friend that stood with me when we needed a friend. Now briefly, there are several things all of these people have in common. Number one, they lost themselves in a cause. Not too long ago, you know, I was recovering from the heart operation. I didn't have a heart attack, but I had a leaky valve. And so I, I just got back, and it was, I think, my first Sunday. I was walking out to the car when I heard a little voice. Pastor, pastor. And I looked around, and this beautiful young girl, probably 17, ran to me with her flashing dark eyes, her beautiful long blind hair. Pastor, do you recognize me? And I said, please forgive me. I, I don't. She said, Pastor, I was that girl that came to church running for my life. I was on the run. People had used me in sex trafficking. I came to church scared to death, and you protected us. And your church took me to the Dream Center. Pastor, I graduated, and I'm now going to go to college. I got a scholarship. Oh, I said, that's wonderful. I'm so proud of you. 
She said, that's not all, Pastor. I am now one of the leaders at the Dream Center. I said, oh, I'm proud of you. She said, that's not all, Pastor. She said, now, I am now a Sunday school teacher to little girls. And then she put her arms around me. And she gave me a big old hug. And man, I tell you, tears are sitting in my cheeks. And when I walked away from her, I had two thoughts. Number one, she, even though she'd been used by evil men, she was not afraid for old pastor to hug her. And then the second thought it was, if, if it couldn't be that way with all men in our church, I'd like to beat them up. How many will pray for me? Amen. Thank God. The second thing they learned was not only did they lose themselves in a cause, but number two, they couldn't care less about titles. And number three, they were not looking for prestige over authority. And number four, they just wouldn't quit. Now, I, how many in this building have ever wanted to quit? Now, be honest. Put your hand up real high. Yeah. How many of you women have ever wanted to go and just grab those drapes and yank them down? Take all the dishes out of the cabinet and just start throwing them against the wall. Take that old remote control and throw it out the window from your husband. Amen. I mean, shoot him in the bathtub. Amen. You know. Just never make a bed as long as you live. And all the women said, yeah, we got unity here. Amen. Hey, how many of you men ever thought, well, on the way to work, I think I'll just stop by and punch out the boss. Amen. Leave a note with my wife. Find another one. I mean, get yourself a, a bird dog and just hunt and fish and play golf the rest of your life. Amen. We've all wanted to quit. I wanted to quit when I ran from Phoenix to Los Angeles on my 60th birthday, 436 miles across the desert. I lost all of my toenails. My feet had blisters all over them. My feet swelled from nines and a halves to almost twelves. I developed phobitis in my legs. Someone said, Pastor Barnett, when you woke up in the morning about four o'clock, you know, what got you, kept you going through all the pain you went through with? I'm sure, they say, it was the little children, those young people that you had compassion for in L.A. Now, folks, I got to be honest with you. At four o'clock, six o'clock, when I'd get up in the morning, Every bone aching in my body, as far as I was concerned, every kid in L.A. could have gone to the booger man. Amen. <laughs> you see, what kept you going? It wasn't the burden. It was the call. The burden comes and goes. But the call of God will keep you going when adversity is against you. I close this illustrated sermon. This illustration, not a sermon, all right. At the Dream Center, there was a lady, young lady, who had served her time there, and she was very excited. She had come just to serve, and uh, that was her heart. On the plane, for some reason, she got bumped up to first class. She found herself sitting beside a very wealthy man she later learned. He was a Jewish man from London, England. He was probably in his late 60s, and... She later found out he was worth probably near a billion dollars. She began to share what had happened to her, what she had seen and what she had heard. And tears began to form in this man's eye. And he said to her, that looks like a place that I, that I need to go. She said, I think I can line up a tour with my pastor. He said, if you'll do that, I'd like to go. And so I gave him a tour. We found out that he lived in London, England. Extremely wealthy man. As we walked through the Dream Center, he was touched, and tears began to come down his cheeks. We went immediately to the service after the tour. And when I gave the invitation, this man came and knelt and accepted Jesus Christ. He was so on fire for God that once a month, he would fly from London, England, in one of his jets, all the way to the Dream Center in Los Angeles. And we can't get some rascals out of bed to go across the street. Amen. One day he texted me and said, Pastor, I want to meet with you before church tonight. 
would you meet with me? And I text back, of course. I thought, if anybody can fly around the world to come to church, that's the least I could do. I met with him, and he said, Pastor, I saw a movie that changed my life. I thought about the movie when I saw you. When I saw the movie, I thought about you. He said, the name of the movie was The Bucket List. <laughs> and then he told me the story. You know the story, some of you. Two men were dying with cancer in the same room. They were given about a year to live. One was rich. One was very poor. They were full of despair and discouraged, depressed. Well, one day the rich man walked in and he saw a piece of water up legal paper and he straightened it out and said, what is this? At the top it said, bucket list. What does that mean? And the fellow said, well, that's a list of things I wanted to do before I died, before I kicked the bucket. It read, jump out of an airplane, swim with the sharks, drive a race car, climb the Himalayas, kiss the most beautiful girl in the world. And he said, Pastor, when I read that, I thought of you, not kissing the most beautiful girl in the world. It's a rough crowd here today. I want you to know that. Amen. And he said, Pastor, when I saw that movie, I thought of you. And Pastor, here's what I'd like for us to do. I want you to make a bucket list of everything that you wanted to do. Any dream, anything that you want to accomplish or see or do. I've got the jets. I've got all the money. Pastor, you and I will take off a year. It will just do your bucket. Money is no object. Woo! So I went in a room a few days later. And I sat down. And I thought, what do I want to do? What's on my bucket list? I thought, number one, I don't want to jump out of an airplane. The Bible said, lo, I am with you always. <laughs> I don't want to swim with the sharks. I might be bait. Who knows? I don't want to ride a race car. I've driven my wife, and that's bad enough. Amen. <laughs> and I've already kissed the most beautiful girl in the world. And if I kiss another, and she'll kill me. Amen. <laughs> and I thought, and I thought, and I thought, and I thought, and for the life of me, I couldn't think of anything I'd rather do than feed another hungry child, than rescue another little girl from human traffickers, than give another altar call and drag somebody out of the pits of hell. And I bowed my head and I prayed this prayer. Oh God, if I get too old to preach the gospel and give an altar call and help people, or if my mind gets too old or my body too weak and I can't do it, I pray God that you'll just take me on to heaven. For what is there to live for? if you can't serve your generation in the will of God. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. I'm going to ask out of respect to the Holy Spirit that nobody move from this audience until I finish. And you're a wonderful audience and I thank God for you. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, in just a minute, I'm going to give you an invitation to come to Jesus and give Him your life and let Him use you to live the most fulfilling adventure of living for others. Serving people in your generation like David did before he fell on sleep. In this building, there are people here you have strong bodies. You have keen minds. You're young people, baby. You wake up in the morning, but you have no reason to get out of bed. There's no joy. There's no purpose. And yet you look at an old guy up here, almost 80, 
See a fellow with so much joy in life and future and vision still in your heart. And you think, why is that? Let me tell you why. You need God. And you need Him now. And you need Him bad. For He will bring joy that is called unspeakable. Joy that's full of glory. God will take you on an adventure that will make Indiana Jones look pitiful. There's a world out there serving God that you cannot buy. So while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, I'm going to ask everyone in just a minute to raise your hand. He'll say, Pastor, I need God and I need Him bad and I need Him now. God led me here. This sermon was for me. There's more to live for in life. I need the vision of God. I need the purpose. Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm ready to meet God. Would you just pray for me? If that's you, if you need God bad, if that's you, that this morning's message is for you, I'm going to ask everyone in this building to raise your hand. When I tell you to, and I believe hands are going to go up all over this building, join maybe the 50 to 75 people that raised their hand this morning. Pastor, I need God in my situation, maybe physically, financially, spiritually. Would you pray for me? All over this building, from the left to the right, to the front to the rear, husband, wife, boy, girl, raise your hand right now. All over this building. This is beautiful. Keep raising them. I see all ages with their hands raised. So many young people. Keep raising them. This is beautiful. And now I'm going to go one step further. I'd like to ask every one of you that are raised your hand. I'm going to ask you to stand your feet in just a minute. The Bible said we must be willing to confess before men what God is about to do in our heart. There are multitude of you. So I want everyone that raise your hand, would you stand your feet right now? That will help me to know how to pray for you. Come on, make it 100%. Quickly to your feet. This is beautiful. This is God. Keep getting up, yeah. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you certainly know God is dealing with you today. Come on, get up, get up real quick. Get up real quick. And now, I'm going to ask you to join me in a prayer. It's called the prayer of repentance. And the Bible said when it's prayed with a genuine repentant heart that God forgives us. When I ask you to repeat this prayer with me, your life is going to be changed. I'm going to ask the Christians that are seated to join in with these people. I want this prayer to sound like thunder. I don't want it to be some little prayer. I want it to be loud and strong. So together, everybody join me in this prayer together. Dear God, I need a Savior. You said that if I would ask you, that you would forgive me. And I believe you, Lord. I repent of my sins. I want the new life that is in Christ Jesus. So today, I give my life to you. You are now my Savior. You are now my Lord. And I'm going to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a good clap, Father. Give Him a good clap, Father. Praise God. You may be seated just a minute. I'm going to turn to your pastor in just a minute. But just before I do, when I go out to speak, I'm often asked, well, what would it take financially for you to come? I have never sold the ministry and never will. I don't like that question. I never answer it. But several years ago, 20 year, 23 years ago, when we started the Dream Center, the Lord impressed upon me that it's going to take a lot of funds to run the Dream Center. And that all they could do is ask wherever I go. If they just receive an offer, not from me, not one penny of this goes to me. Check is made out. 
by your church to the Dream Center. And they and it's and that gets there. You say, well, that they probably give you a salary. No, they don't. I'm rather bitter about that. Pray for me. Amen. No. It all goes there. And let me tell you what it takes to run that place. Over nine hundred thousand dollars a month. Visualize 15 stories, over 900 people living there. They have to be fed, clothed, housed, taken care of by the doctor. Secure, oh, I could go on and on. Just the utility of that 15-story building. But it's been something that is literally, today we have 266 dream centers all over the world that have just run up. One of our greatest needs there is the human trafficking ministry. We have one floor. They'll take care of it. Just over there, about 60 girls. But it's the most expensive ministry. Let me tell you why. When these girls come in, they have all kinds of psychological problems. They have to have special counseling. Their bodies are diseased. They have to have medical attention. The human traffickers that those girls are, many of them sent by the police department, are going to testify against the traffickers. So they want to get them and hurt them or kidnap them. We have to have guards 24 hours a day. When they come to church every night, and by the way, they all give their heart to the Lord. But when they come to church, they have to be surrounded by security because the traffickers are there. There's no program that costs us more than it does. Recently, we've expanded and our budget's extremely tight. We've been talking about maybe having to cut some of the human trafficking girls off because we haven't been able to raise our budget. Today's offering will go to help us not have to cut back. But I want to add, I want to add, today this offering is going to go to help some little girl that has been forced into human trafficking and they need your help. People often say to me, Pastor Barnett, you're killing yourself. I've been traveling every week all over the world for the Dream Center, winning people to the Lord like today, but also using what comes in to keep us going. We couldn't do it without you, and I want to thank you. I thank you with all of my heart. Today I ask you to be as generous as you can to the Dream Center. You know, let God speak to you. Don't just make it don't when he prays, just say, Lord, what should I do? And do it. You're a great audience, I tell you. You just like little birds with your mouth wide open. I've really had a great time. I love Pastor so much. And I want to thank you. You've been one of our most generous supporters, this cowboy church, to keep the Dream Center going. It's an ongoing thing. And it's your Dream Center. When you have a kid on drugs, all you got to do is get them there. It won't cost you a penny. We'll take care of them. We're your dream center. I love you all. Thank you so much. God bless you. Wasn't that great? Okay, so listen. If you're on the prayer team, would you make it out of your seats? Could you go over to your spots? And, and uh, the second thing is, is, is that if you're here and you a minute ago accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. All I want you to do is, while everybody's exiting out here in a minute ago, you slip out of your seats and come over here to Robert. Robert's over here and the crew's over here and walk up to him and say, I, I prayed a prayer today and accepted Jesus as my Savior. And, and they're going to celebrate with you just for a minute. They're going to celebrate with you. But they've also got some material they want to give you. Okay? It's very important because we just don't take that for granted around here. We want to follow up. We want to check on you. We want to so we want to be here for you. Okay, Those are two very important things. Third thing, maybe after hearing Pastor Barnett today, you might want to go see the Dream Center. Well, guess what? We're going to be going within a year. And we need to know who wants to go. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to the Hub. And you write down Dream Center, your name and phone number, and give it to them, and they will save it. 
and you'll be contacted because we want to go. We've gone twice now. I've got to speak twice at Angela's Temple at, at the Dream Center and, and serve. And little Hudson Bean, everybody knows Hudson. Hudson couldn't carry the onions that we went to feed people, so he counted the onion boxes. He's the best counter the Dream Center ever had. Uh, my family has served at the Dream Center. All four of us have walked into the halls of the Dream Center, the elevators of the Dream Center. We've walked through the rooms of the Dream Center. We've seen the floors where they keep the, the little children that have been through the, the, the sex trade and, and the guards that sit there and protect the, the doors. We've gone to the next floor to where all the women are being counseled on drug addiction and everything. And the men's floor. And, and they're the loudest. Gosh, they, they, they cheer the loudest. They yell the loudest. I'd rather preach to them than you guys sometimes. So, yeah. They, but they're great. They're so much fun. Our family has personally gone out to the streets of Los Angeles and passed out food, passed out food, baskets and baskets and baskets, a Walmart sack full of food. We have had a blast. The Dream Center is very important to us. And the reason why I want to use my testimony is because what you're about to give, now you have a touchable, tangible relationship that has seen it for, its, for myself. Our family has seen it. Many people in this room have been there too. And when you give, it goes directly to the Dream Center. Now, you may look at Pastor Barnett and go, I bet he's on salary. And, and he even told you he's not. And he hadn't ever been for years. Every dime that is given today goes directly to the Dream Center. I think they need to pay the man, but they don't ever ask me. But isn't that cool to know the most integritous man I've ever seen with ministry finances has been Pastor Tommy Barnett. So everything you give, you may not even go to this church. This isn't about this church right now. This is about God using you for the kingdom of God. We have a saying around here. If we all just do what God wants us to do, we'll all be doing what God wants us to be doing. That's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. And I promise you this. If you just do what God's laid on your heart right now to give, to sow, there's somebody next to you that's going to do the very same thing. And we bundle all of it up. We write one check that says from Cowboy Junction Church to the Los Angeles Dream Center, and that's directly where it goes. Were you blessed today? Today was a blessing. What a treat. What a treat. You've got to come back. Okay? I want to make sure it's not 25 years. Okay? Well, if I'm here, I'll still be Okay. All right. Okay, good. Will you stand to your feet? We're going to sing. This song they surprised me with, I did not know y'all were going to sing this song. I leaned over to him a minute ago. Pastor Barnett had the biggest band you ever saw. Back in the Maranatha days, they had oboes and uboes and momos and all kinds of stuff they played all. It was wonderful. It was incredible. And they used to sing this song in the old Maranatha style. Y'all remember the old Maranatha style? I mean, stringed instruments and trumpets and... Oh, all, all the different stuff. And let me just tell you, I leaned over to him, put my arm around him, I said, that band's doing pretty good. But man, I remember back in the 90s when, when they used to play it. He said, gosh, I remember those days too. We're going to sing this song and we're going to worship our Lord as we exit. As we sing this song, I want you to make your checks out to Cowboy Junction Church, right in the little memo, Los Angeles Dream Center, and then come up here and drop in the offering, then you'll be dismissed. If you've accepted Christ your Savior and, and we'd like to give you something before you go, go see one of our prayer team uh, pastors over here and uh, they would love to pray with you. Have you been blessed? It's time to then go be a blessing. Uh, let's sing to the Lord. Come on.
Father, I thank you for this opportunity to give. And now, Lord, bless the Dream Center through Cowboy Junction for the expansion of your kingdom. We love you. We love you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. It's time for us to love God, love people, and have no limits in our life. Ah, I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it. God bless you guys. Have a great week in the Lord. The offering buckets are up here. See you later.